Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Merry Christmas. Hello. I have to collect myself after that song. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. Um, there's, there's something amazing about that song. There's something divine, right? Um, th- it's actually the series that we're doing for Christmas. It's called Oh Holy Night. That, that is the focus, that is the emphasis uh, for us for Christmas uh, this year. And we're going to take uh, parts and pieces of it and, and focus on it and look at the, the spirit and truth uh, in it and the goodness of it. And we're excited about it. We're excited about it. We're excited about Christmas uh, this year, as every year. Uh, We want to start by telling you the history. It wasn't just an artist in isolation that wrote this song, and then it just kind of like has lived within the church. There's a lot more to the story. Uh, So the story starts in 1847 in France a small French town, there was a priest in a Catholic church who wanted a special song, a special poem for a Christmas evening midnight mass. So we, Josh actually was hoping to do a Christmas evening midnight service, but he wanted me to take a poll and see how many of you wanted to come here on midnight Christmas Eve. One, five, wow, are you guys serious? Is there really that many? Welcome in Christmas. All right, Josh, looks like we're doing it. We're doing a Christmas evening midnight service per popular demand, okay? So this priest wanted this poem for this special service, and so he asked a uh, marginally connected poet that's connected to the church. Uh, He was better known for being a wine merchant and a spirit merchant. And so, so he got to work and he wrote this poem. Uh, his name is Placide Capua, something to that effect in French. Um, and uh, if you notice, here's a picture of him. Uh, he has one hand. He was in a shooting accident with a friend when he was 10 years old and they had to amputate his hand. The only reason I point that out is because we all walk with a limp. Every single one of us has a handicap of some sort. And this is the gentleman that wrote this song, and God has used him marvelously even this morning, from 1847 to now. And God has used him, and God will use us too, in spite of our imperfections and flaws. God wants to use us. And so he did with Placide. So he wrote the poem, And he loved the poem. He was amazed by how the poem came. And so he asked a person who did not follow Jesus, a Jewish person trained in classical music, to put music to the poem. He loved it that much. And then he loved it even more. So it went to the church, and it took off within the church. And it was amazing. Until some church leaders criticized it and shunned it from the church. It wasn't good enough. And so the story went. And so it stayed outside of the church, but outside of the church, it continued to take off. It continued throughout 
uh, France and beyond. Fast forward to 1906 on American soil, there's a gentleman uh, whose name is Reginald Fessenden, who's the founder of the AM radio. He was a chief chemist under Thomas Edison. He's on the radio Christmas evening, 1906, and he's reading Luke 2, the Christmas story. And he starts, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, and then he went on and told the story. And then after the story was told, he picked up his violin and he played the very first song over airwaves. Oh, holy night. How cool is that? There's some other really fascinating parts of the, of the story, but we're going to save those for some other messages. This, story, this song is amazing. It's profound. As I did some research in it and uh, talked to some fellow believers about the song, there's a few quotes that just kind of stood out to me uh, that I wanted to bring before your attention this morning. One of them was, this was written, there is no other Christmas song, this is the pinnacle, period. That's a strong statement. Uh, One of our fellow staff, Dan Richards, he says, I've seen this song being sung among secular crowds and them falling on their knees. I've heard worship leaders say, this might as well be the Christian anthem. It's that much, right? A part of us. Oh, holy night. As we dive into this, we very much uh, were just participating in this, but I, I want to just kind of take, there, there's a lot of different versions and variations that have artists put their, their touch on the song. And uh, uh, actually, one of my favorite renditions is by a men's choir. Um, but I want to present to you just a, a different one, and I'm going to actually have them bring the house lights down uh, just a little bit. You can do that at home too, bring your house lights down 25%. And uh, if, uh, if you want to, just close your eyes. I just want this to be experiential. Just, uh, just sit in this song. Just, this is a one-minute segment of it, so it's just a clip of it. Just sit in it, listen it, receive it, pray through it. Let's play that clip. This is the focus of our Christmas this year. Today, we're going to focus on our worth, our worth. You know how much something is worth by how much one is willing to pay and how far one is willing to go. 
You have a God who has intentionally and limitlessly pursued you. He is infinitely powerful, infinitely pure and holy, and he has pursued you. He has pursued you so far to pay an eternal price for you so that you would be won over by his love and his kindness. This is how much you are worth to your God. You, every one of us, and every single person within our world, every human being who breathes is worth that much to God. Our worth is amazing to him, and he defines it. Amen? Amen. We hold fast to that. If you're needing a Bible, we're going to have our ushers come out and just raise your hand, and we'll, we'll grab those as well. And if you happen to not have communion with you, uh, I'd ask them to make it available as well. If you're needing communion after the Bibles, they can grab you one at home. You can grab them as well. We'll take communion at the end of this message. This first section of this song, Oh, Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and our soul felt its worth. Let's dive in. Oh, holy night. Holy. Holy. Let's talk about that word. Holy means set apart, set aside, sanctified. Set apart, set aside, sanctified. Two times in the Bible, this phrase is used. Holy, holy, holy. And it's all to God. Isaiah 6, Isaiah is in the throne room of God. He's before the presence of God. And there's angelic beings proclaiming, this God is holy, holy, holy. Same scene Fast forward to Revelation 4, John is in the throne room of God before the presence of God and angelic beings are proclaiming this one, there is only one, there is no other like him. He is holy, holy, holy. There is no other that is more holy. He alone holds this title. He is completely perfect in every sense of the word. He is completely other, none like anyone else. He is perfect, he is pure, he is righteous. It is inherent and intrinsic in him. It is who he is. It is who he is. You have been made in God's image and God's likeness. That means so much, so many amazing things. Every single human being being made in God's image and God's likeness. One thing it does not mean is that you are holy. You were not made holy. God alone is holy. And in order to become holy, you have to be made. He has to impart that on you, impute that in you. He makes things holy. And that is possible through Christ. 
that is possible to receive his righteousness and us to be called holy as we surrender ourselves to the Lord. We put our trust in the work that he's done on the cross that we could not do for ourselves. And therefore he says, now you are. Now you're holy. Now you're righteous. Now I give you what is mine to give. I make that in you. And you get a share in my character. Amen? Oh, holy night. This night was set apart, sanctified, orchestrated by God for a very special purpose. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. The stars are brightly shining. Why are the stars brightly shining? Well, because they're outside, right? Because there was, as Luke 2 says, there's no room for them in the inn, right? Any of you born out under the stars? I'm looking for hands. Anybody online? Meager beginnings, humble beginnings, like a lamb, like a lamb, out in the field, out in the pasture, he is the lamb. He was born in a field even, in a stable even, where farm animals were born, under the stars at night, and there was no place for him. He wasn't in a clean hospital room. They weren't around their family The stars are brightly shining because he's out there like a lamb. From the beginning to the end, he came like a lamb and he was the lamb that was slain and he's coming back again. He continues to be the lamb. The stars are brightly shining. This was his humble beginnings under the stars. We know a lot about stars Stars are cool. I love stars. Stars are amazing. You like stars too. I'm telling you. Your favorite star is 97 million miles away. It's called the sun. You love the sun. We love the sun. Especially here. It is precious, right? It is a precious commodity. It's rare, right? 10 million degrees on its surface. I live 16 miles away. This is 97 million miles away. I brew my coffee at 205 degrees, 200, 205, nice tight range. It's 10 million degrees on its surface by design, intricately designed. We don't have multiple suns. We have one, perfectly distanced, 97 million miles away, as we are perfectly tilted on our axis, as we orbit this 97 million mile away sun right? Perfectly. The next star is 25 trillion miles away. I, mean, I can't even compute that. Four point something light years away. I don't even know what that means. That probably takes a long time to get to, right? The stars are brightly shining. This is God's perfect orchestration of the universe, of history, of this scene of this time and this place of the king to come in humble beginnings in a holy divine way for you, for me, for the world. 
There's something interesting about the stars, naturally as well as spiritually. When it gets dark enough, that's when you can see the stars. When it gets dark enough, that's when you can see the stars. True naturally, as well as spiritually. You have to be hungry for Jesus. You have to be thirsty for Jesus. He came for those who thirst. You have to be sick. There is a prerequisite in coming to Jesus. You have to need, and you never outgrow that. You can't ever outgrow that. The stars come out when it's dark enough. And this is when he came. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining because it is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Of our dear Savior's birth. Savior. That's a powerful title. To be the one who saves. To be the one who saves. The one who redeems. The one who rescues. The one who helps. The one who protects. Now, in all fairness, there's been a lot of so-called saviors throughout human history. There's all sorts of them. Roman emperors have considered themselves as saviors and proclaimed publicly they are saviors. There's Greek gods and goddesses that have proclaimed that. Hermes, Zeus. There's religious leaders that have proclaimed that. That, are, that, that is proclaimed about as well, Buddha, Muhammad. There's been a lot of saviors. But answer me this, who? Who? Who alone has saved us from the rule and reign of Satan? Of sin within you, the rule and reign of sin within you. The consequences of sin forever. Who has saved you from purposelessness, meaninglessness, hopelessness? Who alone? Who has saved you from hypocrisy and religiosity? That you don't have to fake it anymore. You don't have to go around being fake to try and be accepted, to try and be loved. You don't have to do that. You've been set free. Who alone has saved you from the deception and distraction and destruction and corruption of this broken world and all that strong gravitational pull that it brings. Who alone? Hermes, Zeus, Buddha, Muhammad? Save from and saved for. It's the gospel. You've been saved from and you've been saved for. Who alone saves you for forgiveness, for love, for grace, for truth, for peace, for transformation, for hope, for belonging? Who alone saves and saves you for purpose and meaning and truth and hope? 
There's only one. It's Jesus. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. And he came as a Savior because long lay the world in sin and error pining. Meaning, for a really long time, the world had been stuck in sin. Stuck in sin and error pining. How many of you have pined? It's kind of an odd way to say it, right? We don't use that word. Have you ever been in so much, let's say, let's go physical first. Have you ever been in so much physical pain and it didn't go away? You almost ran out of tears and you longed for relief. You pined for hope. Have you ever been in so much emotional pain, crushed, destroyed, devastated, heartaching, and it didn't go away? And you pined for relief from that suffering. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. For a really long time, the world has been stuck in sin and the subsequent consequences of sin and the suffering and longed to be set free from sin and the hurt and destruction and pain of sin. Anybody been there? Amen. So we get it. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Yes, I've been there. It's what the Bible says. It's what the human history says. Pining for relief. And it's appropriate because as Romans 3.10, 1 John 1.8 say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It's a part of every single one of us. Because there's no one who is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God in and of ourselves. For all have sinned and fallen short of the holiness of God, of the glory of God. So yeah, long lay the world in sin and error pining. But we're talking about Christmas, right? <laughs> what, why are we talking about all this? We're talking about Christmas. Let me ask you this. This is why. What is the beauty and magnificence of Christmas? What's the beauty and magnificence of Christmas? I have a picture here of compare and contrast. There's, is the beauty of Christmas snow? Which, let's take a minute. Actually, let's pray, okay? Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's pray. God, we would really love some snow tomorrow. We love snow. We love that you made it. You say we're pure as white as snow because of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we'd love to see it. In the mighty name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen. hey, there's a lot of amens. That's awesome. I thought I was totally tricking you. That's awesome. 
Snow is beautiful because it beautifies. That's part of what snow does. It beautifies, it magnifies, right? What is the beauty and magnificence of Christmas? Is it snow? Is it trees? Is it nice clothes, nice food? Is it belonging? Is it that setting? Would you show that slide up? Oh, we're getting there. Is that what the beauty and magnificence of Christmas is? Or is it, or is it this oh holy night, the stars are brightly shining, it is the night of our dear Savior's birth, long lay the world in sin and error pining until he appeared, until he appeared. Now, by no means do I have any intentions of demonizing, poo-pooing, you know, any of the, the beauty of, you know, say that picture. The Lassards do a lot of those things, right? We would hope that those things, the gift sharing and belonging and, and niceness and decorations would be an expression of, right? Out of the overflow of the heart. It's an expression of the grace and the love and the belonging, acceptance and, and all that, not a distraction from. We would hope it would be an expression of what God has done and what he's done in your life, not a distraction from what God has done in your life. But the beauty and magnificence of Christmas is that he, he, he came till he appeared. And the soul felt its worth. You know how much something is worth by how much one will pay and how far one will go. You have a God who is infinitely powerful, infinitely holy, infinitely worthy, and he limitlessly pursued you intentionally. If you have a a question about that, maybe you need to know more about what God has said about that. We would encourage you to meditate on Psalm 139. You have a God who has intentionally and limitlessly pursued you, and he is infinitely powerful, and he paid the eternal price for you. In and of himself, he paid that price so that you would be wooed and won over by his love. You'd be with him. God thinks of that of you. That's what he says about you and your worth, knowing you and all the imperfections of you that we all bring. Let me ask you this. When did your soul feel its worth? When did your soul feel its worth? When did you comprehend or experience the worth and value that God clearly communicates to you and you believed it and you received it. For some, maybe this is the first time you have heard any of this and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. It's not an accident. God's communicating clearly his love in spite of the brokenness and sins and faults, his love And he invites you into that perfect, intimate 
personal relationship with him. I'd encourage you, have a conversation with him. If you need help, ask us. We'd love to help. For many of us, we've had that conversation. When did you experience your soul feeling its worth? I'm going to read a section of Christmas passages. Normally, you wouldn't think it that way. But I took a bunch of passages and I I blended them. I wove them together. The addresses will be at the end. For now, I'm just going to slowly read through this. And so, uh, pray on these. Think through these things. uh, Receive these passages here. And you were dead. In your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind." In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, has come into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world that the world would be condemned, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. As we wrap up this message today, we're going to finish with communion. And if it's not too late, if you're needing communion and you need to go grab some elements, please do so. Our hope in this message is not as much that there would be something that you would do, but more that you would be. So when we say, what's your next step? We would hope your next step would be three things. And it's our meditation for communion today as well. We would hope that you would be in awe of your Savior. 
you would be in awe of him. You would find yourself in wonder of him. You would find yourself in amazement of him. You would grow in your awareness of his awesomeness. We would also hope that you would be aware of your sin. The beauty of Christmas is that God came down, God came near through his son with the backdrop of sin as the setting. It's not that he just came, it's that he came with the backdrop of sin and the horrific consequences of sin in and through the world. And every single one of us has a part. And so we would hope in Christmas that you wouldn't try and pretend that doesn't apply to you. You've been set free from hypocrisy. You've been set free from religiosity through Jesus Christ. And you don't have to pretend that you're cleaner than you are. Come to Jesus as you are. But what are they going to think? But what are other people going to think? It's not about that. It's about you and your Savior. It's about you walking before your Savior. For those who walk in the light, as him, he as himself is in the light, have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus covers We would hope that you would be aware of sin, not living steeped in the consequences of it, not walking in condemnation of it, for therefore you've been set free from condemnation of Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. But you'd be aware of it because that humbles us, right? And there's only one way to walk with your God, and that's humbly. That's admitting, that's knowing, that's being aware of, I am thirsty for Jesus and I still need him just as much as I did the first day, I do now, even 22 years later. Be aware. In the midst of his love, be aware. In the midst of his awesomeness, be aware. And then lastly, appreciating your worth. Appreciating your worth. Because the owner said, how much you're worth to him. And it's a lot. It's good. This piece of bread, actually, let's take some time to pray. Let's pray. Let's prepare our hearts. Take a minute. Have a conversation with your Lord.
this piece of bread represents his body because he came. He came in the flesh, fully God, fully man. He came in physical form. He came to become like you so that he could be an empathetic high priest knowing exactly what life is like here. He's lived, he's experienced, he's been tempted and yet was without sin. The only one, there's only one perfect and that's him. This piece of bread represents his body, his life coming down, coming near for you. Let's take and remember and celebrate. And this cup, it represents his blood to the fullest extension of his love. Coming down wasn't where he stopped. He stopped at the point of death. Poured out so that our sins could be forgiven completely, that he would forget them, paid in full by the son himself. Let's take and remember. God, we love you. May we grow in awness of you. We don't have to fake it, Lord, before you or before others. We don't have to try and kid anyone that we don't have sin or struggle with sin or are tempted, Lord, but we can walk in the light as you yourself are in the light. And then we can have fellowship with one another out of that authenticity, out of that truth and genuineness as we walk humbly with our God and King. And we appreciate our worth, Lord, because you have put the price on us through your Son. Merry Christmas, Lord. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Merry Christmas, y'all. And that will conclude our service today. God bless you guys. Have a good weekend.